Today's episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. You can follow us on Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. You can follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And thanks so much for making us your first listen. And be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. So today's episode, which is being dropped on the 26th day of January 2023, we're bringing in a special guest, my friend Dan Epstein, who is a wonderful author, the creator of the books Big Hair and Plastic Grass and Stars and Strikes wrote a wonderful new book about the relationship between two beloved Yankees, an all-time Yankee legend, Thurman Munson, and Ron Bloomberg, who was a cult hero amongst Yankee fans in the 1970s. And the book is called The Captain and Me, which Dan Epstein wrote along with Ron Bloomberg, about Ron Bloomberg's memories of the 1970s Yankees and his special friendship with Thurman Munson, the captain of the Yankees. We sat down. Uh, this is Dan has been a guest on the old podcast, the Sully Baseball podcast. I can't remember if this is his first time at Lockdown MLB. Uh, I'm going to apologize for one thing technically. Uh, I normally record with one particular program, which I will not name. It didn't work for me. And so we used Zoom. And Zoom doesn't have the best technology for recording video. So there was a, some issues with the video, maybe slightly out of sync if you're watching on YouTube. But I still think you'll enjoy you know, that technical issue aside. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that we had together. Most of you listen on audio anyway. So I think you're going to like the conversation I had with Dan Epstein about the wonderful book, The Captain and Me, which is available wherever you get your books. And it's about a unique friendship between two players who came up at a time when the Yankees were struggling and they were two of the players who were hopes for the future, two very different people. And we began our conversation talking a little bit about Thurman Munson, the late Thurman Munson, and why he was such a special figure to this day for Yankee fans. So here is the beginning of my conversation with the great author, Dan Epstein. Segment. We're here with the great Dan Epstein, with his great book, The Captain and Me. Uh, and he, his batting average is super high, as is his slugging and on-base percentage as an author. So whether you like <laughs> traditional or sabermetric stats, um, one of my frequent listeners and someone who I uh, have actually met and gone to a ball game with, a fellow named Marcel, who is a huge, huge Cubs fan from Zurich and tours because uh, the Swiss do things right. He gets months off of every year and he goes to ballparks all the time. Um, he's a little, he's nice. roughly my age, a little bit younger. He 
doesn't have memories of Thurman Munson. My memories of Thurman Munson, he died when I was seven. I have what I call the rule of seven, which is you start making your concrete memories when you're seven years old. And to me, Thurman was the Yankees. And I actually remember crying when Munson died as a seven-year-old, even though I was a Boston fan and Fisk and everything. It, you know, Munson dying just felt wrong. Um, by the way, my, my initial memories of Ron Bloomberg was a hostess card. Hostess used to have cards on the bottom of the Twinkies and cupcake boxes. And it was yeah. a Ron Bloomberg with a horribly airbrushed White Sox cap. And on the back is what my brother and I used to call the year club, which would say year club. And I because I was fascinated by how many teams. And it said Ron Bloomberg, White Sox, as he's in this 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 watercolor painting. And um, and then I read the back, it doesn't say White Sox. It says just the Yankees. It's all Yankees. But but the year before he didn't the 77 did not play. 76 won game. So this guy doesn't even play. <laughs> Two at bats. Yeah. So my my initial thoughts of Ron Bluger is always with the White Sox, kind of like you know, you're currently wearing a Willie Horton hat. My initial memory of Willie Horton, Willie Horton was one of the great figures in Detroit Tigers history. But my first memory of him is always with the Toronto Blue Jays because I saw him with a Blue Jays uniform in my tops card. Oh, well, Willie Horton, Blue Jay, great. You know, my first memory of Tom Seaver is Tom Seaver, Cincinnati Red, great. You know, Tony Perez of the the Expos, (laughs) you know. uh, know, But um, that's true. (laughs) That's, That's how I, you know. But um, but I I do remember you know the obviously the death of Munson was uh, just had ripple effects and but my the reason I brought up my friend Marcel is because he asked me he said because I brought up this book and he and I had brought up Thurman in a previous episode and he says I don't remember Thurman um, why why was he so significant in Yankee history. And he's not saying that out of ignorance. It's just it happened before his fandom. And Munson, right. the death of Munson had ripple effects for decades. And and Diana Munson, who wrote the forward to the book, still gets a huge standing ovation every time she shows up to Old Timers Day. And even as a Red Sox fan, it's kind of like you could trash any Yankee, but Munson, you, Munson, you hold, you, you know, if you, you, there's a certain age group of a Yankee fan, you don't talk trash about Munson. You have to sort of take your hands up. Right. From your opinion, why was Munson such a significant figure in Yankee history? Um, obviously, his death was shocking, but he meant so much to the team before the plane crash. Um, just, just describe for listeners what he meant to the revival of the Yankees and to the Yankee franchise just in general. Well, I mean, you know, first things he, you know, he comes up in 1970 after having just played a few games, you know, um, well, I guess he played most of the month of September in 1969. I mean, they, they kind of knew. I mean, Ralph Houck, who was the Yankee manager, was already talking in 19, in the fall of 69 that Thurman was going to be their starting catcher in 1970. And this is a guy who was like, you know, two years out of college. It was just like, nope, this is this is the guy. And he comes up in 1970. He wins the Rookie of the Year award. I mean, he's he is, you know, fantastic. You know, he's a fantastic hitter. He's he's he's, you know, 
very talented fielder and has kind of an unorthodox way of throwing, but has an incredibly quick release that makes it very difficult to steal bases successfully on him. But he, what he, he's also incredibly talented at working with pitchers. So yeah. it, even though he's, you know, a rookie, like, you know, really quickly, the entire Yankee staff kind of like fell into line. It was like, okay, you know, what this guy says, I will do. And, you know, and, and for the rest of the 70s, it was kind of like whenever the Yankees would have a pitcher who would get into it with Thurman and not take his advice, a, the guy usually wound up, wound up losing or, you know, serving up a home run in a key situation and usually didn't wind up staying with the team for very long because it was like, no, Thurman knows what's up. Thurman knows how to call a game. Thurman just, you know, I mean, Ron in the book talks about like Thurman was basically a computer in class. Like this, this was, you know, well before, you know, advanced stat statistical analysis made its way into the clubhouse. And Thurman certainly was not like, you know, looking over the, you know, the, the, the stat sheets before. Or the video, or the video, like, you know, video was still video. relatively in its, in its infancy at that time. The instant replay was in the infancy at its time. Absolutely. So Thurman had an incredible knack for just absorbing information. Like, you know, a guy comes up, you know, and hits against the team in spring training once Thurman already has a mental file on. And so they sit, you know, two months later, the guy gets into a game against the Yankees. Thurman knows how to pitch to him. Just like he's, he's, you know, he remembers the guy, he remembers the pitch that got him out, you know, back in spring training. They, you know, get, convinces the pitcher, this is what we got to throw. And, uh, and, you know, boom, you get him out. Um, you know, he, he had a similar knack for base runners, just like knowing how they took their leads when they, you know, when they would take off, um, you know, that there was, uh, you know, when, when Ron LaFleur comes up to the big leagues, you know, Thurman can't wait to face LaFleur because they've heard like, you know, this guy's, you know, former, he's an ex-con who's with the Tigers. He can, you know, run like the wind and Thurman's like, okay, yeah, let, let's see how fast this guy is. And, and LaFleur winds up, you know, stealing a couple of bases on him the first time they face him. But it's so close that LaFleur never really tries again because it's just like, okay, I got away with it, but this guy has me made now. So, I mean, that, that was, you know, you know, and Thurman was na officially named the Yankees' first captain since Gehrig in uh, 1976. But as Ron talks about it in the book, Thurman was a little embarrassed by that because he felt like he was being, like, like that was his role anyway, and he didn't feel like he needed to make a big deal out of it. And We'll get back to Dan Epstein in a moment, but right now I want to tell you that the NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. New customers can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets 
for a chance to get a bigger payout with same game parlay. All that on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get a $150 prize in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL. How did you get involved with Ron Bloomberg on this book project? I mean, I know that's a basic question, but I'm curious. How, how did how did this meeting yeah. of two dudes, how did this happen? So what happened was um, uh, my friend David Jordan, who wrote this great book with uh, Dave Parker called He's, Cobra. He, who's been a guest um, on this. He's been this, a guest on this podcast. Dave Jordan. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Dave. Yep. Dude, um, friend, friend of mine for a while. Um, he basically his agent, his and Parker's agent for that book is also Ron's agent. And so his agent had been talking to Dave about maybe he was like, you know, Ron, Ron Berg has some ideas for a book. Uh, would you be interested in collaborating with him? And, and at the time, Dave was completely mired in trying to get the Cobra thing happening. And, uh, there's a, it was a, there was too much on his plate and he was like, you know, I can't do this, but you should talk to Dan because, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, Mr. Seventies baseball. He's, he's Jewish, you know, like, <laughs> like what, what, what more do you want? So, um, so, you know, so Dave calls me and at the time, I think I just moved to North Carolina and I had just gone through about a year, year and a half stretch where I kept doing book proposals with other people, not in baseball, in, in the music world. And, and the proposals would go nowhere. And I just thought like, you know, this is a lot of work. I'm not making any money. This is really depressing. And so when Dave calls me about Ron, doing something with Ron, I was just like, I don't know, man, I, I've been down this road, um, you know, Ron's already had a book out uh, called Designated Hero, uh, which he wrote with another author. And I just thought, uh, I'm really not up for this. And, and, and Dave, to his credit, just said, look, why don't you just give him a call? At the very least, you can save phone conversation with Ron Bloomberg. I was like, okay, fair enough. Yes, I've always, you know, enjoyed the legend of Ron Bloomberg. And, you know, I'll ask him if he really likes knishes, like it said, the back of his, you know, mm -hmm. 1972 card or whatever. And so anyway, we got on the phone and we totally hit it off, just like right out of the gate. I mean, part of it is just Ron is one of the most effusive, friendly people, uh, you know, you can, you'll ever meet. And he was funny and he had all these stories and he had not actually like the Thurman book was not his first idea. He had a, he wanted to do a book about the designated hitter. And for the listeners, Ron was the first ever designated hitter. That's why the, he's so associated with it. The first when they introduced the DH rule in 1973. So we're now the 50th anniversary of a half century of the designated hitter um the first time there ever was a dh who came to the to the plate it was ron bloomberg it was against boston right it was against uh uh yes okay okay because yeah. uh, and it was and, and cepeda was he the the red sox dh 
Uh, yeah. I, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I should I should have your book open to double check this, but so the first so yeah. that that so it was designated. His other book was designated Hebrew. His his bat is in the Hall of Fame because it's the first ever DH in 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 the history of baseball. So that's why Ron Bloomberg is so uh, historically attached to the designated hitter. Just for the for for some right. of our fans out there who may not know the connection as well as Dan and I do. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so he wanted to write a book about the designated hitter, but it he was a little unclear or I was a little unclear about like what he wanted this book to be. And also I'm not a fan of the designated hitter. I never have been. So it just seemed like, like, you know, and, and all, but again, like with the hall of fame, like at some point I just can't have these arguments anymore. So I just vision like doing a book on the designated hitter and having to sit through or participate in even worse arguments about the designated hitter in every interview I did to promote the book. So I was just like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this, man. So, but we started talking about Thurman and that they had been good friends and they'd been roommates, you know, which I didn't know because, you know, I became a baseball fan in 1966. And at the time, you know, so I absorbed everything I could about what was going on in baseball at the time. But at the time, Ron Bloomberg was on the DL and he was on DL all season. So like, I remember getting his 1976 tops card in a pack and going, who the hell is this guy? Like, he's clearly like, he's not on the Yankees that I'm aware of, but you know, it says that, you know, he's a 300 hitter, like, you know, what's up with this? But I didn't even, you know, think of it. So Ron is kind of like, you know, with the exception of that one season eight where he comes back with the White Sox, Ron is like sort of, you know, player from the before times for me. So I don't right. know, that other than the DH thing, don't really know that much about him or have that much invested in, you know, the, the legend of Ron Bloomberg. So, you know, the so that he was so tight with a guy that I grew up absolutely working, which was Thurman Munson, was news to me, but it was also like, oh, I want to hear these stories. And then the more we talked, it was like, you know what? I think other people are going to want to hear these stories too, because this is a side of Thurman, you know, at, both as a player, as a teammate, as a human being that uh, that a lot of people don't know about. And and so and I thought, you know, combine that with the kind of the arc, respective arc of their careers, you have the makings of a really interesting book. Plus, Ron, you know, Ron is a really good storyteller. Um, he's, you know, he was never one for boozing or, or drugs. So his, his faculties are still, you know, for a ball player talking about things that happened 50 years ago, he's still pretty sharp. I mean, sometimes he'll forget, he'll, he'll get the year wrong that something happened. And so that was a lot. Well, so, of did so, was, did so did we, so did we, so did we. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, can't fault. So. So, you know, that was a lot of my role in the book was like, he'd tell me the story and it would be like, okay. And then I would like go back through the newspapers to kind of check it out. It's like, you know, like, you know, that's a good story, but that doesn't sound like something that happened in 1973 because, you know, 
this player and that player weren't actually on the team yet. So it's like, is he getting the year wrong or is he getting the players wrong? So it was a lot of like then circling back to him and going, you know, Ron, um, you know, Nettles wasn't on the team then. So are you thinking of blah, 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 or, you know, or Nettles was on the team, but maybe you're thinking of a couple of years later. And so there's a lot of back right. and forth trying to like, you know, drill down and, and get it as close to correct as possible. Thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. Locked On MLB Prospects, that should be your second listen. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to my interview with author Dan Epstein, where we're going to be talking about his book, The Captain and Me. I'll tell you, um, we were with Dan Epstein about the great book, Captain and Me, which I just finished reading. This is the third book of yours that I've read, uh, uh, Big Hair and Plastic Grass, which I love, Stars and Strikes, which I actually like a little better because uh, it seems like it's that's the Shelby Foot uh, uh, sort of uh, recount of the 1976 season. Um, I love this book. One of the things that I, um, I really like about this book is, first of all, it's not like they don't it's not a laborious biography of Ron Bloomberg where we have to hear every single detail of his childhood. Um, but also don't read this book on an empty stomach because there's a lot of talk of eating <laughs> and food right from the beginning. The, the I love things like this where they're talking about the, the historic day of the first ever DH. And because he doesn't have to go out on the field, he could stay in the clubhouse. And you talk about deviled eggs uh, in the uh, the fact that the um, Vinny Orlando, who was the clubhouse assistant or the clubhouse manager or whatever at Fenway Park. I love they describe the food as terrible, usually at Fenway Park, that they usually have awful kielbasa <laughs> and, and sauerkraut. But this day he made this gigantic plate of deviled eggs of which Ron Bloomberg kept going in and taking them. And apparently Munson and I think Mel Stottlemyre and someone else kept saying, don't eat all the damn deviled eggs. Don't yeah. eat all the damn deviled eggs. And that's, <laughs> I think that's the first chapter in here. So I'm reading this book. And I'm getting hungry for deviled yeah, eggs that's... right from the beginning here. You know, you want to go to it, but you also want to yeah, go to right, Delhi. Right. Sorry, go, go, keep going, keep going. Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, Ron loves food. He loves food almost as much as he loves Clearly. baseball. And he <laughs> Clearly. can talk about food as <laughs> much. And, <coughs> and um, you know, and it was, and it was so often our conversations would just devolve into food-related stuff. Like, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't eaten meat in about five years. I've been, you know, mm. vegetarian, pescatarian, whatever you can yeah. call it. And Ron is completely fied by this and just absolutely baffled. It's just like, so you don't eat turkey? I was like, no, Ron, I don't eat turkey. Well, what about chicken? No, Ron, I don't eat any meat. And, and but I was telling him about, and this is oh, not necessarily a plug, although if you can get some advertising out of these people, great. Um, I am a big fan of non-meat sausages especially mm -hmm. the Italian ones. Right. And so I was telling him about it. And, uh, and I was like, you know, it was, it was like, Ron, honestly, like you slap these on the grill, like it's, you can't tell that these are not real Italian sausages. And Ron's like, uh, 
He's like, he's like, D -d -d do you put peppers on them? I was like, oh yeah, you know, peppers, onions, a little tomato sauce, and you know, throwing up on Ron just goes, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> he's just sort of like drifting off into this, you know, Homer Simpson like trance, uh, thinking about it. I so, love, yeah, no, he. I love reading about when because he was a Jewish man in Atlanta and he one reason he wanted right. to go to the Yankees is he felt that he wanted to be amongst his people in so many ways. And you had so many amazing descriptions of the delis that he would go to and <laughs> and bring Thurman Munson to to introduce this boy from Canton, Ohio, what a brisket is, what, you know, corned beef, all this stuff. And what? Right, like Kreplock is and you know, you know, Kreplock and and matzo ball soup and all these things you're describing. And I could I had to have like water near me because I was feeling the 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 sodium <laughs> increase when I was reading. I think my blood pressure went up a little bit. Certainly my cholesterol level went up while I was reading this book. I had to be drinking, I had to I had have a have a two-liter bottle of water next to you while you drink because because I'm just remembering going to like Katz's <laughs> deli when I was living in New York and just i could just taste the pastrami while you, you i would I, I think you should have like uh uh there should be like a you know some of the like when you read big hair and plastic grass or stars and strikes and you you're there's the the music that you should be listening to when you're reading the book here you should have the sandwiches you should be reading you have devil legs for chapter <laughs> one you have a you have a brisket for number two get some crepe you know, some crepe lock soup for chapter three uh oh man my mouth was oh, watering when i was when i was reading this book here yeah i mean i'll be honest like i've never like since going vegetarian i have never craved corned beef and pastrami much as i have while working on this book because oh, yeah. man you, you know like that's the i always enjoyed that when i when i was a carnivore and man he sure he sure sell it um hey i want to i want to i don't want to uh there's a couple people i want to talk about there's um nate god you said his name again nat what was his last name again um uh tarnapal tarnapal thank you i i have to write this stuff down tarnapal um one of the really fascinating borderline scorsese film moments when i was reading the book was this unusual relationship they had with someone who was essentially a gangster essentially a 70s gangster just hear ray Liotta's narration that may rest in peace in your head um it this really seemed like wow there's a couple of chapters here that i just was you know because of course the best moments of goodfellas were in the 70s and i'm imagining munson and bloomberg wandering in and out kind of like the copacabana scene in, in goodfellas uh they got involved with a fellow who very who was in the music industry and they got to meet a lot of great singers and and r&b performers and everything but also guys showing up with a briefcase and then we got to go now or people showing up with guns on their <laughs> you know guns on their and of course bloomberg at first was kind of like i don't know what it was i just thought it was i thought he just was giving us a car it seemed like a nice thing and and munson seemed to be a little more uh uh, I guess his antenna was up a little quicker than Ron Bloomberg was, but yeah, tell us a little bit about the fact that um, yeah, these these two, you're the two protagonists of your book, were basically hanging around with a Henry Hill character. Yeah, uh, uh, Nat was the president of a record label called Brunswick Records. 
a lot of people don't remember now, but in the 60s and, and first half of the 70s, Brunswick was a major player in R&B and soul music. You know, the people like Jackie Wilson, a Young mm -hmm. Holt Unlimited, um, Shy Lights. I mean, a lot of like heavy duty um, uh, hits came out of Brunswick. And and Nat, um, Nat was a Jewish guy from Detroit. Actually, that's where he first hooked up with, with Jackie Wilson as his manager. Um, and Nat had wanted to, Nat was obsessed with baseball all his life, you know, grew up a, a Hank Greenberg fan. And, um, you know, and I, and supposedly talented enough to be scouted by the Tigers, although it didn't happen. Um, but by the time Ron meets him, Nat is a season ticket holder at the Yankees games, uh, you know, sitting uh, in a box seat right next to the field. He's pals with lots of players who he basically, you know, does things for, like, you know, invites them to dinner, buys them suits, <laughs> things. It's, 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 and so I'm sorry. When, when does things for? <laughs> yeah. So, so when when the Yankees finally have a Jewish star in the making in Ron, Nat is incredibly excited because he's Jewish and he's baseball obsessive, and here's here's Ron, and he also kind of takes Ron under his wing, like you know we're gonna we're going to make sure, you know, you're, you're treated right. And, you know, so like he, he'll do these things like set Ron up in this sweet apartment building in the Bronx, um, get it, you know, all furnished with shag carpeting and the latest, you know, stereo TVs and all this. And Ron's just always like, I can't, I can't pay for this. Nat. And that's like, don't worry. You know, it's, and I will, we'll take care of you. And, um, and then, and then, uh, you know, when, you know, th and then Thurman kind of is brought to this, this circle as well. And, and Nat buys um, uh, Benzes, Mercedes Benzes for both Ron and Thurman. And uh, because, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of Nat's favorite players on the team. And a right. lot of the other players are kind of like jockeying for position, trying to like get Nat to do something nice for them like that. But, you know, it's like, obviously these guys are considered uh, you know, on a higher level by Nat. But, and so they'll, they go to dinner all the time with Nat. They go out uh, in, during the off season. Nat hires Ron to kind of basically hang around the Brunswick offices. You know, I mean, this is in a period when, pre-free agency when players had still have to work in the off season, most of them. Mm -hmm. And Spawn just gets this like nothing job where he's, you know, paid a ridiculous amount of money just to hang around, be like, you know, the pet Yankee. And, and so, yes. And Nat being part of the music business and the music business uh, at that time was especially corrupt and connected. And so there are all kinds of mobsters that Nat was running with. And, you know, so there would be all these evenings where, or even just afternoons at, at the Brunswick offices where they're hanging out with Nat and a couple of his guys, you know, who are essentially hitmen. Um, and then like some other gangsters show up and, and but there's this, you know, 
like Ron made, makes it really clear, and we get into this book where it's like, they were never, Ron and Thurman were never asked to do anything. You know, they were never asked to throw games. They were never asked to, you know, do favors. It was all just like these guys were such Yankee fans that they were just stoked to have Thurman and Ron hanging out with them and that they could like ask any question about any baseball thing and these guys would answer and tell the story but like that's literally all these guys wanted out of the relationship it wasn't you know and and the yankee you know the yankee front office was very nervous about this mm-hmm. because you know they knew who nat was in fact nat had tried to buy the team at one point what a what an um, alternate and, universe that uh, is what an alternate universe <laughs> i know he buys them instead of george that was Steinbrenner. never gonna happen oh i know i know i know but like yeah. this thing I, <laughs> yeah, i've always thought of the alternate universe where steinbrenner initially wanted to buy the cleveland indians of what that world would right. have been like if he had bought the cleveland indians and folks they were called the indians back then uh if he bought the indians right. instead of uh the yankees what how those right. the and history then Nat of, goes and buys the yankees <laughs> yeah that, 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 that how those two uh uh histories would have diverged but yeah that they uh it, it struck me and i will put a button here on the net here but it struck me that both ron and thurman were kind of like living baseball cards to them like this was one of the perks of being a gangster is you get to hang around with musicians you get to hang out with movie stars and tv stars and ball players and you know that and 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 so it wasn't that thurman and ron were connected or corrupt players they were perks (laughs) you know they were perks for mobsters this is why you do it is you get to hang around with famous people absolutely the only time it gets hairy is there there's a storybook and and this wasn't a nap thing this was uh they they also hung out with jay black of the group jay and the americans who was uh, you know, also connected and, uh, and, and so Ron gets kind of sucked into this errand that Jay had to run in Little Italy, or basically going down to an Italian restaurant. And Ron just thinks like, hey, we're going to an Italian restaurant. He's like, you know, thinking about all the food he's going to order. And basically they just go in, Jay picks up a briefcase full of cash and they split. And, you know, and, and it's only kind of like in retrospect that Ron realizes like, Oh, that could have been really ugly, you know. It's, it's if if the transaction hadn't gone as it was supposed, it's could have gotten real out of hand, and you know. And so he tells Thurman about this later, and Thurman's like, "Yeah, yeah I'm glad I missed out on that dinner." Thanks so much for listening to this conversation with my friend Dan Epstein and his wonderful book, "The Captain and Me," available wherever you get your books, online in person. Go, go check out some of his previous books, including Big Hair and Plastic Grass, Stars and Strikes. If you're a rock and roll fan, there's no shortage of articles and things he's written. Go check him out. And thanks so much again for making us your first listen every day. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Tomorrow, I have a bit of my conversation with Miller Thomas. We'll be talking more about the Hall of Fame and the fact that the Red Sox are rudderless and a couple of other things. And there'll be more of this conversation I had with Dan Epstein, which will be played some point next week. Not quite sure when, but thank you, Dan Epstein, for joining me and for everyone else. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Locked On MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.